Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Maverick Mondays. I'm your host, Maverick Peters. It is my intention to change your Mondays, to change your week, and to change your life one episode at a time here on the Maverick Mondays podcast. I've had the incredible opportunity to sit down with some pretty fantastic people. The individuals who are successful in what they do or extremely positive-minded in the way they live their daily lives, those are the people we will be hearing from on this show. Stay tuned for today's guest. Our guest today is Sean Fink. Sean Fink is the producer and co-host of the local Jewish radio show, Shalom America. Shalom America covers a large variety of Jewish interests, news, music, and entertainment. The show has been on air for over 50 years and started by his father, Phil Fink. Today, we have the privilege to hear from Sean. So tell me about your radio show. What's it all about? Uh, well, it's a Jewish interest radio program. We do Jewish music, news, entertainment, and information. Uh, it's been on the air more than 50 years, and I, I never get the exact date right because I'm not over 50 years old. Uh, <laughs> but I believe we're in our 53rd year now. Uh, my father's been hosting it uh, that entire time. It's been on in various different iterations, sometimes daily, sometimes weekly as we are now, although we have the daily version of it online that you can tune in. Over the years, we've specialized, as I mentioned, uh, Jewish music, playing the, the latest in, in Jewish music, which again has changed as the years have gone on from being uh, two guys with an accordion and a drum kit to um, very elaborate. Uh, right now, the in thing in Jewish music is techno. Everything is techno-based, a lot of uh, keyboards and heavy beats. We also have interviewed newsmakers over the years, ranging from U.S. senators and congresspeople to foreign leaders, prime ministers of Israel, foreign ministers, uh, ambassadors. Kind of like you, Maverick, we, we aim high to uh, find whoever we can that's out there that's making news or, or that sounds like somebody of interest. And uh, we don't quit until either they um, send us a uh, restraining order or uh, <laughs> they come on the air with us. <laughs> that's awesome. How do you keep up with you know the Jewish news? I mean, it's not such a huge community, but where do you pull your sources? Right. So uh, it's actually a lot easier now than it was going back even when I started my end of the uh, of, of the operations on the program, uh, which was while I was in college, I started doing the production work, which goes back almost 30 years. Now it's a lot easier because everything is online. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, there's too much online. It's hard to keep up with. I find myself looking at an article and saying, okay, I don't have time to read this. I'll come back to it. And then three weeks later saying, oh, right, that tab is still open. I never, I never had a chance to read it. There's a lot of sources out there that have Jewish news. There's JTA, which is a, a Jewish wire service that's online. There's, um, there's all of the Jewish periodicals. There's Tablet. There's The Forward, Jerusalem Post, Ma'ariv, you know, from, from the right to the left and everything in between, Orthodox to conservative to reform to secular to, uh, you know, nothing in particular. Um, right. Right, just Jewish identity. And so, uh, you know, it's, it's a matter of seeing what's posted and sometimes it's just skimming headlines and, and getting idea of, of what's in the news and what names are bouncing around. And some of it is is looking for who's big in pop culture. Uh, we reached out to Maya Bialik right when she was um, coming back on um, 
Big Bang Theory, and you know when when yeah. she was restarting her career, right uh, right that first off season after they had just introduced her character, we reached out and we had her on, and she's been on with us I think twice, uh, and and grabbing them and bringing them in, and sometimes we're lucky and we're ahead of the curve, and sometimes we're trying to keep up a little bit. <laughs> right, that's the name of the game. So, what are some of the the coolest people you've had on the show? So some of the coolest are the ones that not as many people have heard of because they're the ones, I mean, you know, Mayim Bialik was, was kind of cool um, to do the interview with and that was by phone um, and she was just unbelievably sweet and lovely as can be. What, one thing that's, that's really interesting, I don't know if you've run into this, and I'll, I'll come back and answer your question in a okay. minute, but very often you deal with PR people yeah. and the PR people don't know who you are really. You're sending them an email or you're calling them on the phone and following up. With a little bit of information and you know their job is to look out for the best interests of their client and very often they'll say you know you've got a strict 12 minute window and if you go 12 minutes and 10 seconds they're going to have to hang up the phone you know or, or things like that and then you get the person on the phone to do the interview you get them in person and they're just the nicest sweetest <laughs> most laid-back person the interview goes 25 minutes and you go oh wow how you know yeah. how about that because and they go oh did my pr person treat you like that you know so the, the pr people are doing their job so mayim was one of those cases and her, her PR person was very nice, but didn't know who we were and was very strict about things. And we, you know, I'm kind of wondering what it's going to be like talking to somebody on the phone. It's when, when we're face to face, it's a lot different than when you're on the phone and you're trying to make a connection with somebody in the first 30 seconds of an interview right. to be, and, and she could not have been lovelier and, and sweeter and wow. spent, um, and it was 18 or 20 minutes on the line with us, yeah. um, and, and has been available when we've gone back you know, to, to get her on again. One of my f- all-time favorite guests has been uh, a gentleman by the name of Peter Himmelman. Unfortunately, to introduce who he is, I have to give the one bit of biographical information he hates. <laughs> and that is, he's a musician, which that he became religious while he was pursuing a career in music. He, he had a band called Sussman Lawrence out of uh, Minnesota. He actually played in bands in Minnesota for a long time that were very well known locally and kind of caught Prince's eye at, at one point when Prince was coming up in Minnesota. And then Peter became uh, a, a religious Jew and it interfered with his musical career because Sony Records signed him to a contract just as he, he was becoming religious. Uh, he was scheduled to appear on The Tonight Show, mid-80s with Johnny Carson. Mm-hmm. And they scheduled him for a Friday night, and he said, I, I can't do it. Yeah. And they said, well, nobody tells Johnny Carson they can't appear. He said, I, I, can't, I can't be there and make it back to my house. He never, he never got put on the show. And that kind of, it hurt his career. And if you ask him, he says he has absolutely no regrets. The part that he doesn't like people to mention, which is where everybody goes, oh, wow, is that his father-in-law is a guy by the name of Bob Dylan. He married Bob's daughter, Maria. Does not like to talk about Bob. I've, I've interviewed Peter probably a half dozen or more times, um, in person and on the phone. And the one thing we never talk about is his father-in-law. We can talk about anything in the world, and he will talk about anything. Gone from just writing music to writing books and, and does a... Um, he's got a thing called The Big Muse, where he tours around the country giving lectures on creativity uh, wow. for, for corporations. He's like a corporate uh, speaker now. And he talks about how to take creativity and kind of go outside of your own limitations in your own box and become uh, a creative thinker and apply that into your everyday work. Um, and he's cool. still recording music on the side, too. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's, uh, he's, he's been one of, my, one of my favorite go-to guests. Yeah. I, I was at the opening of the uh, U.S. Holocaust Memorial Museum in 93 uh, or 94, whichever year that was. In D.C. In, in D.C. And yeah. um, it was a, a very cold April morning. 
uh, and wet and rainy and just miserable. Perfect for uh, a Holocaust I, I, Right, and, and that was actually, people were complaining about it, and somebody said, um, you know, <laughs> you think you're complaining. What about the people who were here? And we went, ah, that's a good point. Um, and my father and I were out there covering it, and this was before everything was digital. We had a great big Sony portable, in yeah. quotes, cassette deck. It was pretty big. And we were tied into the feed from the stage to record what was going on. And we also had a couple of mics with us to do our own overlay on that and voiceover in real time, recording everything. And I looked at my father during the program and I said, do you see the back of that head down there about five rows from the front towards the center? And he said, yeah. I said, that's Jesse Jackson. And my father said, no, it isn't. I said, I guarantee you that is Jesse Jackson. Well, what's he doing here? I said, there's all sorts of dignitaries. There were a lot of foreign dignitaries. There were yeah. a lot of... Did you go up to him? So he says, it's not him. I said, watch this. As soon as the program was over, I disconnected from everything we were hooked up to. I put this huge tape deck that had a strap on my shoulder, and I went running down, and I, I was the only person in the press corps that had seen Jesse Jackson. And I walked right up to him, and sure enough, I'm face-to-face. And I said, excuse me, Reverend Jackson. He turned around and said, uh, yes, and the, you know, that famous voice. And I said, Sean Fink, Shalom America, Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, do you have a moment or two to speak? And he said, absolutely. I said, uh, Reverend Jackson, you know, what brings you to an, an event like uh, the opening of the Holocaust Museum? Said, this occasion is a commemoration of the depreciation of the human nation. And, you know, he, the way he, he speaks in that. And like for five minutes, I just stood there with my mouth open yeah. because he just, you know, ra- kind of like I'm rambling now, except he made a lot more sense. And all of a sudden, the rest of the press corps realized this skinny little 20-some-year-old from uh, Cleveland, Ohio, had had found one of the big interviews of the day. Because all the dignitaries, you know, they got Elie Wiesel and Bill Clinton, who was president at the time, and and, um, Yitzhak Rabin, who was prime minister of Israel. They were all on the dais. They got them out of there really quickly. So it was everybody was looking in the crowd for who was left that might have a name. And Jackson was uh, probably the biggest one still standing there. There were a few, you know, U.S. Congress people, but... Uh, so they, they all started, you know, putting their, their microphones out. Reverend Jackson, Reverend Jackson, excuse me. <laughs> I am speaking with the young man from Cleveland. That's when good. I am done, I will give one statement to the rest of you. And I could feel like, you know, 20 pairs of eyes just stabbing me in the back after that. But, <laughs> yeah, but you so probably that was, felt like a million bucks. Oh, I did. I walked away and I walked up to my father and he went, that was him, was I? I said, oh, that was him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Um, so that was actually one of the, the unanticipated ones. It was uh, kind of neat and, and really cool to, um, to, to grab and to interview. What about experiences? Have you taken, you know, have you taken your show anywhere cool? Oh, yeah. One of the things I love to do is to go on the road. And with the Internet broadcasting, it's, it's really something that's become easier to do and, and a lot of fun because we can just set up anywhere at any time right. uh, and send a signal. And we actually send our signal back via the Internet. And it sounds like we're in the, the studio without getting too technical. It used to require a lot of expensive uh, equipment and right. ISDN lines. Yeah. You know, it's like having a permanent phone line installed someplace just right. for an event hundreds of, of dollars to get it done and, and jumping through hoops. Now, right. if we have a, a, wi- a strong Wi-Fi or any internet connection, we can plug in anywhere and, and hook up. So we've done, uh, we've done broadcasts uh, in Canada, and we were on daily at that time in the afternoon, and we actually took over a floor of hotel rooms and set up. <laughs> we stayed in one and set the other one up as a guest center, and we had people coming in and out uh, cool. all week long doing doing guest shots in uh, Toronto. Uh, the Chicago Jewish Music Festival, which is an all-day 
festival. It's like an eight-hour music festival with two wow. stages. We actually, I went and set it up four years ago, five years ago, and did the um, broadcast live from the middle of this field in, in Chicago. And we uh, broadcast everything from the main stage live over Radio J and then had recorded highlights from the uh, secondary stage wow, uh, throughout the day. Cool. So it was kind of like our own Live Aid in Woodstock yeah. uh, type of thing. So yeah. there's there's been a lot of, uh, you know, neat little uh, instances like that where we've taken it on the road and, and set up. Struggles in the radio industry. <laughs> so, so, so so you said the show's been going on. For podcasts like, are killing months. us, Matt. No. <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, I'm, I'm promoting you. <laughs> no, I, no, I'm kidding. So, um, um, so, okay, so you said your show has been going on for over 50 years. Right. So your father started it. Yes. So yeah. you may not have had the, the struggles of starting it, but I'm sure struggles have come up where people have turned down interviews. Right. So he, he actually had it, I don't want to say easy, but easier because he took over a show that had been somewhat established. Uh, there was an older man who was hosting it who played a lot of older Jewish music, cantorial-type things sure. and liturgical things. Um, and when he quit one day, this my father happened to be working at that station. There was actually there were stations back in the day that all they did all day long on FM radio before FM was what it is today. It was played nationality. It was called nationality broadcasting. They would play, you know, there was a Polish show, an Hungarian show, right. and, a, and a Polka show, and a Slovenian hour. And uh, in, in Cleveland, it was all Eastern European, and a Jewish show. And the boss walked in and said, Fink, you're Jewish, you're taking over the Jewish show. <laughs> and the first thing my father realized was he needed to get new and different music to play <laughs> uh, to get to younger people. So he actually took over a show that was somewhat established. Um, what has been the challenge for us. I think the challenge in radio and TV is seeing it as well in a slightly different way. But uh, getting advertisers is is the hardest thing because we're entirely advertiser supported, right. um, and now people can just uh, hang out a shingle on the on the internet and charge you know five dollars for a hundred thousand impressions, and people say, "Well, I'm advertising on the internet. Why do I need to be on the radio?" Right. Um, and there, there is a difference between a flat ad, whether it's in a newspaper or it's on a screen on your on your phone or on your laptop or on your desktop. Uh, there's a difference between that and what you get in a radio or a TV advertisement. Is that your sales pitch? Uh, yeah, primarily. Um, you know, we're fortunate that we reach a real specific uh, audience. Um, but what about negativity? So I don't know the best way to say it, but... When you're, whenever you're in a field where, where people are are listening or watching, there's always going to be the haters, right? Absolutely. So yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure I'm sure you've come across where people say, you know, the show is weird or we didn't like it or. Everybody's a critic. Most people are smart enough to keep their uh, their opinions to themselves. But every now and then you get somebody who, uh, you know, and it tends to be. And I don't want to get too inside baseball, so to speak, for. For your audience, but usually the things that we get tend to be on a on a religious level. You know, you're not going to agree with 100 percent of what everybody says. I don't know about you. I listen to a lot of sports talk radio. Sure. Um, everybody. Now, now is a great time in Cleveland. To well, oh, absolutely, talk radio. absolutely. But everybody's got an opinion. Yeah, of course. And you can switch between four different shows, even on the same station. But you can go back and forth between stations, and they've all got different opinions. Nobody's going to agree 100 percent of the time. Um, with what you're talking about, and especially when you're dealing with issues like religion, like Israel, um, there's so much. My my buzzword of the of the decade is nuance, because mm -hmm. I think we've lost a lot of that. Yeah. Um, and I think in some ways, by the way, mass communication is to blame for that. The internet and talk radio, but that's for a whole different time. <laughs> but we've lost all the gray in life. Everything is black and everything is white. Um, and the issues that we deal with on the air, 
um, are gray and people want to see the black or the white. You know, if you take a stand on any given issue, somebody out there is going to disagree with it, hopefully do it in a polite manner. Right. You know, we could do a show that's very straight down the middle and not engage in different topics that could be controversial. But I don't think there's any interest in that. I think right. we need to be able to discuss differences. We need to find a way of doing it in a civil manner um, and not, you know, sit behind a... a keyboard or a screen and, and uh, you know, throw, throw insults and ad hominem uh, argu- arguments at, at one another. So you mentioned before that podcasting is killing the radio industry. <laughs> so, that, that was more of a joke, but right. yes, yeah. No, so, so ex- explain to people how that might be so, and have you thought about shifting gears a little bit? I, you know, I, I have, and um, I, I think it's an area that we probably will be exploring more in the very, very near future because podcasting has become so generally accepted. For a while, it was it was an area that skewed very millennial and, and very, you know, it was, it was people who were more tech savvy. But people spend a lot of time listening to podcasts in their cars, uh, when they're working out, when they're doing something at home, you know, when they're cooking in the kitchen. It's times that traditionally would be radio times. You know, for me, as much as I love working in broadcasting, it's always been a passion to study it. And just to see the changes in five, ten years that have taken place, you know, we no longer have traffic every 10 minutes on most radio stations the way we used to, and people don't give the weather or the time the way they used to. It's 10 after the hour, 50 in front of the next, um, which you don't hear as much anymore because people are either not listening in real time or they're not listening they're not consuming radio in the same ways and in the same for the same reasons they are so people are downloading a lot of podcasts right. you know and and I'm again as I said I do I, I listen to a lot of sports radio so uh, Jim Rome one of my favorite uh, hosts has a podcast and he always has these fascinating guests or my wife loves wait wait don't tell me yeah uh, which is available as a, as a podcast. Sure. We're kind of on the older edge of, of that technology. For a lot of people, though, that's, they don't listen to these shows on the radio. They listen to them in, in podcast form. So it's, uh, it's so you're been not an against, adaptation. you're not against these. No, no, not at all. Okay, great. <laughs> What's the secret to 50? <laughs> so, I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of local radio shows that yeah. haven't made it past 10. Yeah, right. No, and... and, and uh, <laughs> I'd be lying if I said it's been easy to get here um, and that it's easy to maintain at this point because it's, it's, you know, every day is, is literally a challenge. Yeah. Um, I think the secret is number one, consist- consistency and, prof- and number two, professionalism. And I'll, I'll group those two together, that we have delivered a consistent product. People know when they tune in, it's family friendly. Um, we're not going to play anything that's um, objectionable from a language or moral standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, that's important because there's less and less of that on the on the radio. They can listen with their kids and it's going to be family friendly. Mm-hmm. Um, in the cases where we might have an interview that deals with a more mature subject, we'll tell people and they know they can turn it down for 15 minutes and, and turn right. it back up. Um, so I think that consistency and the professionalism, the fact that uh, my father is a professional broadcaster and was trained in that field. I grew up in that field and have spent my life studying it and working in it and, and improving in it in, in numerous different areas. I mean, this is one area of broadcasting that I've, that I've done, but um, that when people tune in, they're going to hear a product that, that is professional, that isn't somebody going, um, 
Uh, our next song is, uh, wait, it, it's here. Um, oh, uh, all right, forget that. Let me play something. Uh, no, wait. Uh, hi, everybody. And, and there are shows like that yeah. out there. So that's that's part of it. And I think reputation. People know who we are in this community by now. You know, I'll have people who come up to me places, and in addition to them saying, I was listening to the radio the day you were born, and I heard the substitute host announce that you had been born, you know, which is kind of a, a heady experience to begin yeah. with. You know, or my father used to listen, and I was late to school in the mornings because my father had to hear the end of the show before he got in the car. I, you know, things like that yeah. where there's generations of people who've listened. Um, it, it helps, and it, and it passes it along. Now the challenge in Cleveland and in the Cleveland Jewish community is getting the word out there to all the new people who are coming in because we've had such an influx. So, yeah. Yeah. you know, getting to 50 may have been the easy part. Staying past 50 is going to be the hard part. <laughs> well, best of luck with that. <laughs> Thank you. So, okay, so sticking on the, on the number 50, covering 50 years of Jewish history, how, what's your perspective on how things have progressed or decreased? Wow, wow. Um, you know, 50 years ago, uh, Israel was still was still new, yeah. and and you know it, it it had that new country smell and, and the fresh paint job, yeah. um, and was still regarded in the world as as in a in a much different light than it is today. I think it was much easier to portray a positive pro-Israel message today. It's much more important to to portray that message. Uh, because there is an anti-Israel um, lobby, so to speak, out there. And there is a, a message. And as Israel has aged, it's experienced the problems that, that every country experiences as it gets older. Um, and so trying to report fairly about the country while still uh, being a supporter is a, a tightrope that, that we have to walk, as, as many Jewish organizations, communal organizations do. You have to report the news in a manner that is honest and fair. Um, but we also have a job as a Jewish media organization to sometimes report the news that isn't getting reported as honestly or as fairly risk somebody saying, well, you're just saying that because you're the Jewish radio program in town right. versus somebody saying, oh, well, yeah, you know what you're saying makes a lot of sense in the mainstream media. And I hate to use that term. The, the rest of the world isn't covering it that way. So that's that's one thing is trying to maintain fairness and objectivity while still being pro-Israel. Who are your role models? I'm going to assume your father's. I, yes. Yeah. My, my father is definitely uh, is definitely one of them. I grew up listening to a morning show that was legendary here in town. I grew up listening to Jeff Kinsbach and, and Flash Ferentz, as he was known oh, on, on WMMS, uh, the Buzzard Morning Zoo. You know, if you listen to that enough times getting ready for school and, and first thing in the morning, it, it makes an impression on you. And to me, growing up, those two guys were like, you know, the ultimate in, in radio cool because they went in there every day and just sounded like nothing was prepared and they were having fun for four hours at a time. And now... I know the truth, um, yeah, how hard it is. But I, I think the two of them rubbed off a lot in a lot of how I look at radio. How do you look at radio? To make it as entertaining and, and free-flowing as possible while still maintaining, while not letting people know just how rigid the structure is underneath. <laughs> and I'm not really even sure how to articulate it, which is I know not good for a guy who has to articulate for a living. <laughs> There, there is a lot of grind that goes into it for sure. You're right. So right. I, I can relate to what you mean, but on a Monday... I'm sure you've had the, the Monday feeling where you come out of the weekend 
Not so much looking forward to Monday. How do you pick yourself up? Coffee. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. That's the answer. It's one of the more innocent answers, right? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Um, you know, one one thing is because, you know, of what you do, you've probably experienced this too. Anytime that I, whether it's a Monday or it's, because we do our show at 7 o'clock uh, live, 7 o'clock Sunday mornings, and I'm up at 6.15 and I have to sound coherent at 7 o'clock, you know, there's two options. It's to go in there and say, good morning, um, welcome to the show. Look, I didn't sleep more than four hours last night and here I am. Or I can go in there and, and fake it. Um, and so I have learned, and, and maybe that's a little bit of the, the Monday thing too, is that when you're on the air, it doesn't matter what's going on in your life. Um, nobody wants to hear you come in and say, oh, I, I just, I'm, I'm really frustrated with the way things are going today. And uh, I, you know, I'm just going to, I'm going to sit here and just pound out the next 45 minutes of music and not talk to anybody. And then maybe I'll come back and, and take a phone call or something. And, and maybe not because, you know, uh, I, I, I got my stomach's upset from what I ate last night. And it's my own darn fault for eating too much. And, and my kid kept me up half the night crying because there was a thunderstorm. And, uh, you know, I pulled out of the driveway this morning and scratched the car on the side of the house because I couldn't see in the dark. So, you know, you're on your own, people. You can't do that, right? You got to walk in and with all of that stuff going on, you got to go, good morning and welcome. It's another fine Sunday morning here in Cleveland. Uh, the sun's going to be out or, you know, even it's going to rain, but we'll make the best of it. Um, you know, you don't want to sound like you're uh, like, you know, on drugs and, and everything, you know, like you've been prozac into sounding good. But you, you do want to uh, 90% of the time be up and alert and happy. So it's kind of forcing yourself and, and remembering that there's an audience out there who wants to hear it. Obviously, there are times where that's not the case. It's sure. it's trying to, you know, put on that, that happy face and, and remember. Make it until you make it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's amazing. Sean, thank you so much for taking the time. My pleasure. How thank can, you. How can people find you? How can people listen to the show? You can find us at radio dash, that's a hyphen or a minus sign, radio dash j.com. Sunday mornings, we are on live in Cleveland, 7 to 8 30 a.m., 13 30 a.m., and that's at 101.5 FM. Again, daily uh, 9 to 11 most mornings, Monday through Friday on radio j.com. Sean, thank you so much for taking the time. My pleasure. Thanks, Maverick. Here are three great takeaways from our conversation. One, some of the coolest people Sean and Phil have interviewed on their radio show are the ones that nobody really knows about. Two, consistency, professionalism, a positive reputation are the three things Sean attributes the 50 years of success on their radio show. And three, when on air, it doesn't matter what's going on in your life. It doesn't matter if you ate something wrong the night before or if your kids kept you up the whole night. When you're on air, you can't let people hear that. You have to fake it till you make it. We all have that on-air moment in our life. Whether it's presenting an idea to a coworker, boss, or a group of people, or whether we're in school and we're about to take a test, whatever that may be, we all have that on-air moment when we have to put on our best face. It's sometimes those very moments that can make it or break it for us in the long run. If there's one thing we should be taking away from this conversation, it's when you're on-air, whatever your on-air is, make it great. Make it awesome, make it worthwhile, make it something that everybody wants to listen to. Hey guys, thanks for listening. This was a real interesting episode of Maverick Mondays, but if you truly wanna grow and become the best version of you, 
And yeah, I mean the best version of you. Listen to the episode again. Take some notes. Review the lessons throughout the day. Let them sink in. This is a great way to achieve success and forge a positive attitude, the kind that will break us out of some of the most unmotivating Mondays. Thank you for joining us.